0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the JT and Big O oh podcast. We are your host, Video Geek JT and Ryan, Big O oh Regan. How you doing, my friend? I am staying
1: inside for the rest of my life because now it's just too damn hot to want to go outside. My God. <laughs> it's like... We, we, we clamored for so long, hey, let us get out of the house, let us go to parks, let us meet people. Now everyone wants to either like, be dunked in the water on the Delaware River or they're staying inside with all the air conditioning
0: because it's too damn hot. Either way, they're staying away from me, and that makes me happy. Oh, man. I, you know, New York City is back to normal. I know I've said this in the past, but truly now it is back to normal. It's just as crowded as it was last year around this time. And you know what? Maybe a heat wave's good. Stick them back into their air-conditioned apartments and away from me.
1: But, I mean, I thought they were still, like, working out Phase 4 or whatever that is. Like
0: (laughs) Like it's the Marvel Cinematic Universe here.
1: Um, Basically, yeah. Like, if Marvel isn't able to kick off theirs, why are the states able to kick off their own? I mean, we didn't get Black Widow yet, so how are they able to eat in restaurants?
0: (laughs) I, I don't know, and actually, they're not eating in restaurants. What I've seen them do is they'll set up like uh, sort of like they're actually doing everywhere. They're setting up tables and umbrellas outside for people to sit and eat in the, the fresh air. I wonder how that's going to work when we have have like a major storm. But that's what they're trying to do right now. And yeah, in New York City, they they're just ta- me New York City. They're just taking over the sidewalks and the road to do it too. So it's it's been fun to drive around there or walk.
1: Right. Like, I know there's that one area, like, near Times Square that they actually just completely delegated to sitting room. Like, they had, like, the little red chairs and tables, and it's just, like, from one sidewalk to the other. It's, like, this whole little area, which is nice that they actually did that rather than, you know, worrying about placing, you know, more stress on a park or anything like that. But most of those stores are pretty much just, Mm -hmm. like... It's the storefront and it's the sidewalk. Sometimes you don't even get like a storefront. You get like one door with a stairwell downstairs to a place. How? That, that is so much worse than what we have in Jersey right now.
0: It's, well, it probably, yeah, you're right. It is. It is a lot worse because again, it's like, there's very little re- space already in New York city. So now you're taking these people outside into these areas that like we're already crowded with people walking or riding bikes or driving cars, it it just makes it more hectic. And I've been experiencing it, so I can tell you firsthand it sucks.
1: I mean, yes, sooner or later, this has all got to come to a head. And I think once the fall hits and kids are going back to school or school, however they have it planned, uh, I'm sure things will be going in a different direction. But that still means there's August to worry about.
0: I, I'll, uh, I'll say this at least with New York. It looks like there's not as much tourists coming in, but the but the workers are all back. So Monday through Friday, it's crowded as hell. And then on a Saturday and Sunday, you'll just have, you'll have like the crowds outside in the sidewalk and that's about it. And I don't know where I'm going with this anymore.
1: <laughs> no, I, mean, I remember back when I used to work in construction, I'm sure the guys that I would normally work with that were putting up the walls and the ceilings and the infrastructure those guys have probably been working regardless. So, I mean, good on them that they're actually getting the work. And, hey, if any of you guys are actually watching out there, stay safe. Keep your hard hats on. Uh, don't let uh, Rob mess you up in any way, shape, or form. I know how Rob is.
0: But, <laughs>
1: uh, I mean, that's that's Inside also kind of like the, the, the plus side of it and the downside of it. I mean, yes, we have all the locals there. But to be honest, it is summertime whether in the city, nationwide, whatever. If those people weren't in the city, they'd simply be going off and vacationing somewhere, or those people from those states where they'd be vacationing from would be coming to visit New York and, like, seeing Broadway and Times Square and all that stuff. So, I mean, it kind of balances out. It's not like it's any more or any less.
0: Yeah, it's it's the one thing I do like in this time is, like, people are, are A, either afraid of the city, so they don't want to come there uh, for touring around it even though it's now one of the safer places it's ironic how a few months ago it was like ground zero of all the terrible stuff for coronavirus and now it's one of the safest places to go to stay away from coronavirus but because it's not as much of a tourist attraction right now there's a lot less people going in there on uh days to visit and stuff instead they'll go down to uh for our area the jersey shore or if it's florida they'll go to the beaches down there and that's why i'm staying away from those places
1: you know, well, I mean, thankfully, stuff places like Seaside already have enough disease as it is. So, I mean, <laughs> coronavirus isn't going to change much. Uh, I
0: mean, look,
1: I'm, 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 I'm just being honest. All right, like I love the boardwalk and everything, but let us be clear: it is called the Jersey Shore. It has now an identity. We have seen it on television. We do not like it, and yet it <laughs> is still present.
0: It, it is. It is very sad. Like. uh because we we as uh, Jerseyans have been fighting for many many years that like oh what you see on TV of the show Jersey Shore is not what the Jersey Shore is, and then after that show happened it morphed into that show so that is what you get when you go to Point Pleasant Beach or Seaside Heights or and maybe not so much Asbury Park but definitely the the first two there and. And I was there like maybe a month ago for Point Pleasant thinking like, okay, with everything going on with the coronavirus, people are going to be safe. They're going to be cautious. There's probably not going to be as many people on the boardwalk and the beach. And if they are there, they're going to take precautions. No, it is, <laughs> it is overcrowded. It has no one's wearing masks there. It's It's just, it's insane. It's like, I don't get it. Like, well, I do get in. That's the problem. It's people are just sometimes people are just stupid.
1: Like I said, Jersey Shore. Yeah, we have a mentality here. But Speaking to be of fair, judges- if there was a place where I could leave New Jersey and go someplace else, uh, it does bring us to our first topic, um, Disney, which haven't been there in three years. So, um. Unfortunately, uh, for whatever reason, Disney World and all of its surrounding parks are open now to the general public down in Florida, which is like the worst possible place for it to be right now. And yet, ironically, California, which has Disneyland, which was like the end-all, be-all, the kickoff of the thing, and is actually celebrating its 65th anniversary this year, is still closed.
0: Well... You said ironic, and it's it's not so much. Uh, it's actually, I, I think, the opposite, where you're saying, like, I can't believe like, Dis- Disney World is open in the worst place it could possibly be. The reason it's in the worst place it could possibly be, because it's open. Like, That's the reason it's so bad down there. Everything is open. Whereas in California, eh, they're going back and forth. Sometimes they're opening, sometimes they're not. But I think they're being a little more cautious than our brother in down south.
1: Now, when you say, like, open, you mean, like, everything in Florida is open. Like, you know, from the local mom-and-pop shop to the beaches to everything.
0: I mean, the better majority of the stuff down there is open. You can go into places. You can, like, as opposed to every place else, places are open down in Florida.
1: Right, when they really
0: shouldn't be. Right.
1: But I would figure if Disney was going to go ahead and have, like, their landmark in one place, and while this is still all going on, I think um, uh, Shanghai just recently opened up too, Disneyland Shanghai, and all their Asian affiliates are slowly opening up. The fact that they would do it so freely with Florida, I just don't understand. I mean, I... the hey, wait, wait,
0: wait, wait. For, for those watching, let me just do this because I do it every other time Ryan asks his question. Money.
1: <laughs> they have more money than God with everything that they... I mean, okay, yes. They haven't been able to put movies into theaters lately. They haven't been able to have stuff going on in the theme parks lately.
0: Rich now, people still, don't they,
1: get... I'm sure they're still selling merchandise.
0: Rich people don't get money because they just have a great product that gets some money. They get money cuz they're greedy motherfuckers. <laughs> you think what why do you think Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the world? Because he squeezes every penny. You know it's true.
1: To be Look fair, he has robots working for him and they don't require payment. So
0: Yeah, and the human workers he does have, he pays at minimum wage. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if the people in the office also make a minimum wage.
1: Right. But I like to think that like Disney does a little bit of a better job with their employees. I I want to believe that. I mean, if you can prove otherwise then fine, but you know, there's a certain mystique that comes with working with Disney. Yes. But I also want to believe that to be working in those conditions, to be working with the families and annoying kids and all the, dirt and slop from what they leave behind and all the sanitation that they have to do regardless before even the coronavirus hit they have to be paying their employees a decent amount to want to be in that environment
0: you can hope all you want but
1: uh, uh dude, I, come on dude. look I have, obviously i'm a disney person don't don't be trying to do this to me now
0: I'll put it to you this way. Uh, so on The Simpsons years ago, there was an episode about uh, the founder of Springfield, Jebediah Springfield. Right. And it discovered that he was a pirate and that uh, he was not the great person they all thought he was. But they still wanted to believe he was that great person because that's what they believed in. I think a lot of people want to believe something like Disney is this great uh, company to work for, and they're all these great people and do these great things, but they're one of the greediest cutthroat of all the media companies out there. So I'm not saying that the people at the park are treated poorly. I don't know how they're treated at the park, but I'm not going to blindly say like, oh, they have to be treated well either, because I don't know. And there's enough proof to say that it could be otherwise. See, (laughs) I left him. No, 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 no.
1: Here, here's the thing you have to understand. Like, for me, Disney has been a part of my life ever since I was a little kid. I have gone to Disney World at least eight times in my lifetime. I've been to Disneyland once, and that was simply because we were using that as a layover in California before we went to Hawaii to stay at the Disney Alani Resort, because we are members of the Disney Vacation Club, which if I could find my blue cap, I would show you. Yep, there we go. <laughs>
0: okay. See?
1: The Disney Vacation Club. There Joined you. that back in 2012, back when we celebrated Christmas in Disney World. It, it's, the, it's been one of those things that's kept my family joyful and together, and yes, while we do fight on those vacations – it is still one of those things that we at least get together for. So, for me to think anything disparagingly about the establishments that we go to and the people that work there, it just is—it it hurts. I—I I, I know there's probably some reality to it, but it still hurts.
0: I mean, I look at and, but you know, that's that's a thing too, though. Uh, you can't. Uh put your faith in heroes. Like, you know, heroes will let you down. In this case, it's an entity, not a person, but you, you can't blindly believe that something is so great that it can't be flawed. And that I would say is very true for Disney and trickling down to their theme parks as well. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not trying to ruin you. I know it for you're you.
1: sorry. I, believe me, I, I get it. I get it. But I mean, if nothing else, life has taught me that, you know just this year alone has taught me that uh, people and things can be bad, even when you think they, you know, can be good, they'll more than likely be bad. I have had that firsthand this year, but well, let me ask you this. Okay. Have you ever been to Disney? Any, any of the parks?
0: Uh, I was to Disney world probably once in my entire life and it, it didn't really. It wasn't memorable for me, but that's because I don't know. I think circumstances kind of played part. Uh, I went down there with my family probably when I was and by the by the first time I went there I was sixteen years old. So I'm a teenager, and it's not really like the oh boy, you didn't I'm going go to, to Disney sixteen. Yeah, and and again, it's the only time I went either. I should point out. Uh, my family went down there. We drove down there, so from New Jersey all the way down to uh, wherever Disney is in Florida.
1: Orlando, yeah, I know that drive. We did that once. Never again.
0: <laughs> the first time we went down there, it was a, a two-day trip. We stopped in Charlotte for like uh, for the overnight, and then finished the way down there. Mm-hmm. But I I forget what happened. But we only stayed a day. We like we got in there. We walked around for a few hours. I I got to go into the Haunted Mansion and that was about it i don't think i did any other rides there's nothing else that was really memorable to me i saw the castle um and then we went back to our hotel room and for whatever reason the next morning we got up packed up and then drove back to jersey
1: so i mean you did get to go but i would almost say it was an unfair experience
0: for you yeah i would i wouldn't disagree with that uh I wouldn't mind going again and enjoying it by myself or with the right crowd. Um, Oh yeah. I
1: think at this point, you know, we are men of a certain age, not that old, but still. Uh, Yeah. I'd say if we did end up going nowadays, it would have to be with like either a significant other or with like a group of people to like maybe do the drinking around the world at Epcot or something. I don't know,
0: but listen, Zach's, uh, uh, The wrestler Zack Ryder, now known as Matt Cardona, is only two weeks older than me, and he goes to Disney every week when it was open. So I I think it's been proven you can go at any age if you really want to.
1: Did he live stream any of it?
0: Uh, He's taken plenty of pictures of it, but I don't think he's done live streams.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. If you live close enough to Disney World, Just like, you know, there are plenty of people that would go to, like, Disneyland in California on the weekend because they lived close enough to it. Then, yeah, you have that rare advantage where it's almost like, you know, going to the mall for us in Jersey. Mm -hmm. So, I, I can't necessarily placate anything. Plus, you know, he's a man of, you know, notoriety. So... Anywhere he goes, it's going to be like a little bit of a pop and it's going to be publicity both ways around. So I see that more as like a business venture than him going on uh, the teacups.
0: Uh, uh, no, the I I, can't, I, don't think he does it just for publicity. I think he uh, genuinely enjoys going to Disneyland. Like he, he doesn't, it sounds, it's not like he goes there every time and it's like, here's all the pictures of me in Disneyland. I think he enjoys it. And not to mention be out, outside I just use Matt uh, Cardona as an example because I just I, I know he lo- likes that stuff. Right. But I have other friends around either my age or a little bit older who don't have children and they and that is still their yearly thing. I had another friend talking about like, "Oh man, I couldn't go to Disney World this year." And that's the thing I always do.
1: Yeah, and I, and I would definitely do that myself if I lived close enough. Unfortunately, since uh, I'm not
0: ta- I'm talking about people from Jersey. So it's
1: well, I mean, I don't know what their financials are because I definitely can't afford the flying down all the time. And as you and I have both experienced, driving down to Florida is no, fun. no good.
0: You know, a funny, funny fact, uh, you know what day it was that I drove back up? The thing I was looking forward to was the first WCW match on Raw, Buff Bagwell versus uh, Booker T. You drove up that Monday? Yes. And I was looking forward to that match and I missed it. And I'm like... Oh, I missed that match. I wonder how good it was. So 16-year-old JT <laughs> had his three hours
1: in Disney World, remembered maybe one ride, and then got disappointed by the fact that he missed Booker T and Buff Bagwell.
0: The, one of the worst matches ever on Raw.
1: That was just not a good weekend for you.
0: No, it wasn't.
1: Um, I mean, okay, here's what I can say. If you're going to open up a theme park and you're Mm -hmm. going to go ahead and allow it to the masses who may or may not be infected, better it be Disney, better it be Disney World more so than Disneyland, simply because Disneyland is smaller. Disneyland is is basically all encompassed, even technically smaller than the Magic Kingdom alone. Now, if you're going to go ahead and you're going to open up uh, Magic Kingdom, uh, Animal Kingdom, uh, Disney Studios, and Epcot plus the, the Disney Landings mall area, you have all the shuttles, everything. It is the most dispersive way you could enjoy a theme park right now.
0: I uh I don't disagree, it's it, it is probably would it be like the biggest uh I I want to say it's the biggest theme park uh in the world, but. Uh, I think, uh, strangely enough, our, ours in Jersey, uh, Six Flags Great Adventure got that uh, right a few years ago, that title. I've, Even I though it's, it's kind of a great cheat. Great Adventure
1: is the largest individual park. Like, a Great Adventure would technically be bigger than, say, like, any one of the four kingdoms down there in Florida. But as far as being able to go to as many different places i'd say the biggest establishment the biggest land grab is disney
0: that is something i also i would say i was uh again i went with my parents and my uh, my parents are uh very frugal so we we went to the main part of disney and we got to see that honestly me being the technology person i am i would have really loved to have gone to go to epcot i think if i went there i probably would have remembered it a lot better Oh God! I, yeah, get to no. go there.
1: You, the, I mean, just the stuff, the, in, the innovations that they have. Uh, there's there, there used to be like a whole center area that simply talked about robotics. And on like, you know, one side you saw like the more practical uses of it. And on the other side, you saw like the, the more entertainment uses. That was fun to just go ahead and interact with everything. But yeah, I think Epcot you'd enjoy. Disney Studios you'd probably enjoy just from the filmmaking aspect. Mm -hmm. um animal kingdom even i'm not a fan of animal kingdom but i'm just not a fan of like (laughs) you know all the shit smelling that you got when you go through the park
0: yeah i'm not too fond of any place with zoo like even with the great adventure like when i was a kid it was like kind of cool to go through the the safari area and then it's like no i'm good i'm good
1: yeah but part of the fun with the safari area at six flags is kind of like okay are the animals going to fuck up our car
0: yeah, that's not you, you considered that fun. <laughs> <laughs> that, that but when, a certain, certain when you're when you're
1: aspect of it, you know whether or not the monkey or the baboon was going to come up and like take off your antenna back when. Then you had like those thin metal ones.
0: Well, when, when you're a kid and it's your parents' car, you don't care as much. When it, when you're a grown <laughs> up and it's your car, you care.
1: Well, now now you notice that uh, you know the younger generations have gotten rid of the extendable antenna. Yes. <laughs> It's like we we've seen what happens, we know better now
0: but um actually, you know one thing I do guys say though I, I was kind of like looking up a little bit this because it really uh, there's a ton of parks it's it, for most of my life, I was just considered Disney World and Disneyland, but there's now like like you were mentioning before, they're going to open up uh another one in another country um I'm just trying to think like. Did, even though we're going to miss Disneyland's 65th next year is Disney world's 50th. And since they're already open very obviously next year, when hopefully things get improved a little bit, people are a little less afraid to go outside. They're probably going to go all out for that one.
1: Oh yeah. No, that that's going to be what 50th is a silver anniversary. So I can imagine what they're going to do for something like that. And trust and believe if there's a way I am getting tickets. <laughs> I am doing something next year for Disney. I, I, I might as well just go ahead and do like, I see all the cheap flight discounts that they're doing now. I might as well square one away for like sometime in February, which mind you pro tip. If you ever decide you want to go to Disney and you don't want it to be crowded, I can guarantee you February is the safest <laughs> month to go.
0: Yeah, and, and remember, it's Florida, so it's still going to be pretty warm down there. So it's, it's not like a terrible time to go either.
1: Right, but if everyone's going to be still stuck in school, and <laughs> you know, snowstorms are going to stop people from traveling in some places. Get See, your plane ticket.
0: The beauty of being an older adult. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, the last time I actually went, I actually took somebody who had never been to Disney World before in their lives. Had always wanted to, and I pretty much played tour guide and you know with that experience alone it was kind of nice because i was able to go ahead and share something that i had loved maybe even to a certain extent maybe i've taken advantage of because of how many times i've been there and only go for like the new things but here i am seeing this person see everything with bright eyes for the first time it's almost like having a kid except i didn't have to feed them as much
0: uh i don't know i've i've learned over the years uh Years ago, when I used to run an anime club, it, basically you're you're hoarding around children that are just the same age as you. Um, I kind of learned after a while, it's like sometimes it's fun to just go someplace by yourself and just be able to enjoy it at your own pace. I, I, I could
1: see where that would come into play for some things. And and mind you, there are certainly some places in Disney where it's kind of like you just want to go and relax by yourself and you don't necessarily have to worry about whether or not someone's having a good time or someone's getting you know, sick on a ride or someone needs to go to the bathroom and you got to walk like 10 miles to find one. Cause yeah, the, the bathrooms aren't exactly as uh, common as you might hope, which I think actually <laughs> helps with the smell and the atmosphere that they pump in through all the vents. Cause right. if there was just as much shit smell or cleaning smell. It probably wouldn't be as whimsical.
0: It's a small world after all uh
1: that's where the plumbing comes no
0: just pick a corner of the castle
1: um (laughs) but don't kid because there are kids small enough that probably do that i i have no doubt in my mind in my mind that when you have kids of a certain age and they are allowed to freewheel through a place like that yeah chances are there's probably going to be some places where they don't know where the bathroom is and they're just gonna have to like take a dump next to you know, <laughs> the carousel or you know, let's see if they can go ahead and swim in the water in the, the Tom Sawyer River boat ride so this way they can pee in the water and it's okay. <laughs> don't don't honey, act like these things don't happen. You have, to, you have to understand, worst case scenarios for that place probably happen more often than you think. So just go in with the open mind.
0: Honey, when the splash comes, just let loose. Just don't worry about it.
1: You kid, but <laughs> oh, that's uh that's why I'm th- saying February. February, make sure there's no kids around. The lines are practically non-existent. You can get through all four parks in a week.
0: Well, you know what? Next year is gonna be 20 years since I've been to Disney World. So if things do look a lot better by then, maybe I'll go down there in February myself. I need it I think I need a vacation anyway. So that'll that'll be my plan for now. One thing,
1: and mind you, if anybody happens to be watching or listening to this and you have never, and I mean never been to Disney World, any of the parks in your lifetime, hit your boy up. I will will play (laughs) tour guide for you. If it means I get to go down, I will go. Uh,
0: Outside of Disney, just to stick on the topic of uh, theme parks real quick. The one thing I really, another thing I really regret, though, when I did go down there. Of course, uh, Universal Studios is also down there and their theme park. Yeah, Universal's okay. I'm a giant Back to the Future fan. And I went down there in 2001, the last year that the Back to the Future, the ride was operating. Mm. Now, from what I've seen of it, it didn't look like the greatest thing in the world, but I wish I could have just rode that before they shut it down. I
1: did ride it one time. Um, The thing is back when the family would go down to Florida, we never usually got to go to universal be when I was younger, uh, simply because, you know, yeah, my sister was able to go on things and my mom wasn't the biggest on rides. So, and the thing is a lot of the rides at universal are maybe a little bit more janky and, you know, you know, pulse pounding than say what you get at Disney. So really my sister would be the one that would end up having to go on them because I'd be too small or too little, but, I was able to at least go on the back to the future one because it's pretty much just one of those 3d screen sort of things. It's like you sit, the bar comes down and you basically just jostle in place while the screen is in front of you, taking you through everything. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, six flags has that for SpongeBob sometimes. So it it was fine. I, I would say there are rides that probably did it better. I would say the ET ride. Was actually a little bit more whimsical than the Back to the Future one, simply because, and mind you, I may be a little biased here, but that's because I remember when I put, went on the ET ride, I got the very front, very middle bike. So I was the one that had ET in front of me, and his head would like, you know, pop up and down and everything. <laughs> and, and I was so young and stupid, I was like, rubbing his head, like, we'll get you home. We'll get you
0: home. <laughs> oh, a little Ryan there, just like, I'm going to help you, ET.
1: Yeah, you couldn't do that with Back to the Future. The best you got was like either a steering wheel or you got the flux capacitor in front of you. Like,
0: listen, what am I gonna listen, you, listen, don't make fun of the steering wheel on the DeLorean or the flux capacitor. I would have loved that. that. I would have been petting that like you were petting E.T. Like, <laughs> don't worry, Fluxipasseter, you're going to work just fine. Uh, I'm. You don't understand how big of a Back to the Future fan I, I was. And I have the, uh, the box set, which I showed off on one of the episodes. Uh, that actually shows the ride and everything that was in it. And so I could tell it was a cheesy, cheesy ride. I probably would have not liked it too much, but just being a back to the future fan, that alone would have been enough for me to say I I was on that ride.
1: And see, here's the part that kills me.
0: You could do a back to the
1: future ride now. That would be unparalleled compared to the rides that you have in universal studios. Now, like just for example, there's a ride for the mummy, not the new mummy. Not, not even like the most recent uh, Brendan Fraser m- movie, Mummy. I'm talking just like the first, maybe the second one. There's been a ride for that that has been there for so long. And it is breakneck speed. The harness is almost dangerous. There is literally fire that encases <laughs> the ceiling right above you. You feel that. How is it we're getting it for the Mummy. <laughs> And we're not going all out for something like back to the fucking future. I don't understand the mentality of how they designed the ride the way they did and how limiting they did. But, look, seeing what they've done with, like, the Harry Potter roller coasters, you could so do one run now, and it would be incredible. So hopefully in the future, maybe if they actually go ahead and do reboot the franchise like they've talked about for years, maybe then we'll get it maybe then we'll get the Back to the Future ride that we definitely are owed.
0: I think that's the reason they don't do it, because they can't do, the, uh, they can't do a reboot of it, not without uh, uh, Zemeckis. Why am I screwing up his name? Zemeckis. Zemeckis. Without Zemeckis' uh, permission. Which, you know, thinking about it, it's like some days I'm like, oh, I really wish I could see a reboot of Back to the Future just so I could see something new from that series. But then again, like, you know, it's, it's as perfect as it's going to get. And I'd rather it stay in its own little world without anyone touching it or trying to screw with it.
1: Right, but you have to understand... I would almost say that there is almost like a little bit of a gray area to that because think of it. 1985 came out, showed us what the future of 2015 would look like. Obviously, 2015 has passed. You know, we barely got the sneakers, let alone the hoverboards. Isn't there a part of you that's almost like, okay... If we were to set a movie, say it's set right now, 2020, and then it jumps back about a good, um, uh, let's say, just 20 years and takes us back to like 2000. But then it also shows us what 2040 could possibly be like and shows us that future progressive, you know, mentality that it showed in the first series isn't that enough to actually almost kind of like make fun of like the beginning of the 21st century and possibly see where our future could go based upon what we have now?
0: Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I never like when, uh, when shows do that where they try to predict what the future is going to look like. Um, I think even, even uh, Zemeckis uh, was kind of like, a little worried about that. Like, I think he wrote himself into a corner because he thought Back to the Future was just going to be a standalone movie and that ending was just kind of chun- uh, tongue-in-cheek. And then when they did the sequel, like, shit, we got to kind of show what the future looks like. <laughs> and they were just taking wild guesses like, well, fax machines are popular. So I guess they'll be everywhere in the future. <laughs> and no one predicting like cell phones or anything like that. Um, I don't know. I... Even uh, stuff like, uh, uh, like Star Trek scares me, because you know they, they at least gave themselves 200, 300 years with that. But now we're catching up on first contact for Earth, which is like 20 years away from where we're currently at. So what happens when that pass comes and goes?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know. we still got some time before then, and if Elon Musk has his way, there's going to be a rocket that goes far enough to annoy somebody, and they're going to be coming over to us and being like, dude, what the fuck?
0: be like hey hey stop that we don't yeah. we, we've seen what you guys been doing on your planet we don't want any of that out here
1: yeah you you, you want to talk to us about interstellar travel you know nothing of our work
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man
1: uh, speaking of things that are uh, pushed into the future uh, that actually does bring us a little bit to our next topic and uh, now you and I we've Both kind of gone ahead, and I'd say we're familiar with the Watchmen franchise by now, yes? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Uh, I believe even if you check earlier episodes of the JT and Big O show, we did have uh, a little bit of a talk back when the Doomsday Clock series was going on in DC, when DC decided to merge all of its popular heroes with Watchmen, which was always supposed to be like a one-off when they couldn't use the heroes. Now they're putting them right next to each other, which I never really understood. I never understood that storyline. Like just keep them separate.
0: I think Alan Moore turned out to be correct. For years, we were just like, Oh, Alan Moore is just a stick in the mud. He doesn't want any, uh, updates to the Watchmen or them to be in any more comics. And you kind of seeing what happened with doomsday clocks, like, you know what? He was kind of right. We should have just left, uh, the Watchmen well enough alone. Just let it be the great American comic book story as it was with no sequel.
1: However, I would almost debate that uh, with what we've seen from HBO's Watchmen TV series, that has invigorated a new sense of excitement to the series. Because I really like how they were able to continue on in that same universe after the events of the book. And I know you didn't get to watch it. I was able to watch it um, back, uh, you know, a month or so ago when it was uh, free on Hulu because of, you know, everyone wanted to go ahead and for, uh, you know, the Black Lives Movement, they wanted to display a lot of Black-oriented or Black-centrified stories. And Watchmen actually does play into that, which I have to say very well. So I almost want to think that because of this little bit of a new invigoration, we're actually getting a spin-off comic book series to Watchmen that is strictly within its own wheelhouse, strictly within its own universe, not with Superman or any of that other stuff, not connected to the television show, an actual continuation of that universe in the form of Rorschach.
0: But here's the... Here's the thing, and we, you and I were kind of talking about this before the show because we're not really sure what direction they're going to go just yet. Maybe maybe they did release it and we just haven't heard. Uh, So for those unfamiliar with The Watchmen, spoilers from something from 35 years ago.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't think we have to necessarily spoil too much at this point. If you haven't heard about it by now, if, if you're not in nerd culture, fine, I get that. If you are and you haven't heard about it yet, Literally, read a book.
0: (laughs) But uh, so again, spoilers: Rorschach dies in the end. That that's how Watchmen kind of ends. No, but yeah. So now, concerning the fact that this really popular character from that series is dead, and this is comics actually going to take place thirty five years after the story, it's not going to be a prequel. It means that well, we don't know what Rorschach we're going to get. Are they going to some sort of magic that brings Rorschach back to life, which is not really part of that universe? Or is someone else who's just as crazy as Rorschach going to take up the mantle? Or maybe not as crazy as Rorschach is going to take up the mantle. That's, that's kind of the weird thing here. And that's why I'm, admittedly, I'm a little hesitant about this because it's not really Rorschach. It's, it's possibly not really Rorschach that's going to be in this comic book. It's going to be like an imposter.
1: Right. Which, to an extent, that's not necessarily surprising in comics. I mean, um, for those of you who may not know, originally, Watchmen was supposed to go ahead and use particular DC superheroes in place of the heroes that are now in the book. So Rorschach was essentially the Batman of that particular universe.
0: Uh, no, he wasn't. Yeah, yeah, well, he he was it. the question you basically uh, what the characters were supposed to be characters from another comic book uh, universe that DC acquired uh, that included the question. And when Alan Moore couldn't really use these characters, he decided to develop his own. So Rorschach is actually based off the question from DC comics.
1: I'm not saying who he's based off of. I'm saying like who he is in that universe. Like when I say the Batman, I mean basically he's the hero who is also technically the antagonist to other heroes. He's the one who speculates against everybody. He's the one who wants to have countermeasures on people. He he's the nervous wreck in a costume,
0: which is kind of funny because this came out in 1985, and that version of Batman didn't really come out till like 1988, right? Right. So that obviously point, the, the Batman to that into
1: what we know now.
0: It did. The Batman was technically the Night Owl at the time. The the goody two-shoes with all the technology.
1: Right. Who I'd say in today's realm, Night Owl would probably be more like a Blue Beetle at best. Uh, uh, Even coming down to the giant ship. All right. Come on.
0: Uh, uh, I don't have a sound effect for this, but... Uh. <laughs> Wait, what what sound effects do I have here? That's not a sound effect at all. (laughs) What about this one? Wow, my sound effects aren't working. Never mind.
1: (laughs) Oh,
0: oh, oh, wait. I didn't have the volume up. Let's try it again. No, not that one. There we go.
1: There There you go. I still like mine better. (laughs) But... Yeah, the, the the fact that they are going ahead and using Rorschach to kind of tell this story. Not to mention, I believe the, the book is actually being, it's a 12-issue series. And it's being done by uh, Batman scribe Tom King. So that alone is probably really playing into the possibilities of what we can get with this revamp of the character. Because essentially that's what it is. It's a revamp. It's a reboot. Um, anyone can put on the mask. We've seen that in Spider-Man. So it's really going to be a question of how this particular Rorschach is going to play into things, especially when things have been calm. Uh, President Robert Redford is still in office. uh, And who knows what kind of political landscape we're going to get.
0: Yeah. So um, what's the name of the writer again? I I thought his name was Thomas Kane. So it's someone else.
1: No, 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 no. Uh, Hold on. Let me bring it up.
0: Is Thomas King?
1: Uh, Tom King,
0: yes. Tom King, so yeah, you're,
1: you're, you're thinking about Kane, who's like the original maker of, uh, you know, Batman and everything. But I'm talking about Tom King, who has been recently working on Batman and uh, the Mister Miracle series. That's correct.
0: Now, I've not really read any of those series. I just I know what I've heard, and from what I heard, those series have been considered very decisive. Like it's gotten mixed reviews. So I, from what I'm hearing, a lot of people are actually a little hesitant about giving the reins of this comic to Tom King.
1: Right. And, of course, some of that might actually play into the fact of what we've already seen from what DC's done with Watchmen characters. You know, I mean, it was a big to-do, but uh, from what I understand, it kind of fell flat at the end.
0: So, Like a wet maybe, part.
1: Yeah. Uh, maybe, so probably people are a little bit gun-shy about wanting to go ahead and take on a character, which for the most part has never really been mired and never been sullied and possibly mess him up. But I'd say better to try than to not, you know, maybe we'll get something good here. Maybe we'll get something that actually is away from the DC continuity and can be its own little thing.
0: My thing always with a lot of this stuff, um, It's not so much not to try. It's that when you take these characters and you take this universe, uh, and not just like the Watchmen, like any of them, the DC or Marvel universe, or even uh, TV shows and movies like uh, the Ghostbusters that came out a few years ago where a lot of people got very decisive over uh, the one that came out in 2016. I don't think it's so much that they're not afraid of people trying. They just know that there's only so many chances to try. If you fall flat on your face uh, that first time with it, then it's going to be a very long time before it's, uh, it's tried again. Or if it's successful and it's really not what you wanted out of it, then you know like, this is what you're going to be stuck with for like, the next decade. And then it's like, well, what I enjoyed of it is not there anymore.
1: Well, that latter statement, I would say that's simply the essence of compromise. All right. And I mean, yes, there obviously may be some detractors who will not like it, even if it is successful. But if it is successful, then that means that you did something right as opposed to nothing right.
0: No, and that's true. But it's that's one of the things it's like this. This is the stories that we enjoy. And if you don't follow that suit and you change the entire direction, you're taking it away from the road we want to go down. And, you know, sometimes that's just life. You have to kind of deal with it. But I, I can see where people sometimes get a little hesitant. And I think with Tom Keene, I am definitely getting off track because I think still the problem with Tom King is not so much that they think he's going to bring the story into a direction that it's going to be stuck in. I think they're just afraid he's going to tell a story that's not going to be good.
1: Well, I mean, I can't necessarily speak on the merits of his work, but... I also want to think that after whatever happened with Doomsday Clock and them going big with the Watchmen universe, I would like to think that they're at least thinking strategically with Tom King. That it's a smaller writer, it's a smaller series, it's a more focused series. It's going to be a little bit more character-driven than simply, uh, you know, heroes all over the place. So credit where credits due. It may not be a spectacular series but i at least think it's going to mend the wounds that some people may have had with everything that went on
0: mend the wounds mend what wounds
1: of the Watchmen series i mean obviously even though rorschach wasn't involved in doomsday clock he is still one of the most fascinating and beloved rorschach was involved with
0: doomsday clock Hmm? rorschach was involved with doomsday clock the uh uh, like a second Rorschach who took over the mantle,
1: right? The uh, another replacement, yeah. Not the Rorschach, but you know. So this is th-
0: again, this is thirty-five years later. We don't know if this is going to be the actual Rorschach.
1: It may not be. It may be a mantle that's passed down, and maybe an impostor, and maybe who knows what. That, so that's how, part how, of the beauty of it.
0: So how's this? I don't think this is going to heal any wounds. I think you're just making the wound deeper. I think you're. A diz, uh, DC has just gone to the point where they don't care if they're going to use his property anymore and they're going to throw stuff out there. Hey, I hope there's a great story out of it, but let, let's not pretend that this is going to improve doomsday clock. Oh, why? Why you always got to be a nihilist? Like <laughs> Rorschach. <laughs> well, I have at least one thing in common with them and soon enough, maybe dead. Anyway. Well, you're getting uh, a mask. <laughs> If I could find a mask that uh, changes like that one does, I would definitely buy it in an instant.
1: I'm sure there's somebody that makes it. Otherwise, you go the Watchmen TV series route and just get, like, a bunch of burlap sacks and paint each one differently. So this way, you just change it on the fly. Okay. Yeah. I know. Too much effort, but still.
0: Let's just keep changing our masks. This way, we uh, work around uh, special effects. Anyway. (laughs) Tell me, Doctor, what do you see? By the way, I, I definitely, I, I can't think of the actor's name, but I did love him in the movie. And I did love a lot uh, of his roles. Jackie referrals. Earl Haley. Yes, I, I love him. And I, I definitely one of those scenes where he's like, you don't seem to get it. I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that was a good scene that they did. That, that, that really showed his acting chops. Not let alone his uh, version of Rorschach, but certainly just Haley's overall appeal now, mind you when he didn't make the best freddy krueger but he does do a damn good rorschach
0: i didn't hate his freddy krueger either and uh he did really well in preacher season one it was a shame that uh his character couldn't follow through to other seasons or actually i haven't watched uh i haven't finished the other seasons but i thought his character was definitely dead by season one unless i there's something i don't know
1: i don't know i, I started preacher i still haven't finished it yet so <laughs> uh I'll, I'll i'll save it if I do see him again. I'll let you know.
0: All right. So moving on from uh, the world of comic books, we uh, now get to Big O's three to see.
1: That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Big O's three to see talking all past, present and future of the world of cinema. And today we are actually going to have a little bit of um, a historic talking point. But uh, a couple of things to get to before that. Uh, first of all, I do want to talk about Netflix. Because uh, Netflix, obviously, is pretty much pioneering a lot of the stuff that we've been watching or we've been able to watch without actually paying 19.99 for a rental fee. And it looks like we have a new movie that's going to be coming out in August, August 14th by my records, called uh, the Project Power, which... Getting back into the realm of uh, superheroes, like we were talking before, this is a very fun-looking take. Uh, did you get to see the trailer?
0: No, I didn't.
1: Okay, so let me break it down for you, basically. Uh, Jamie Foxx, which, of course, he has his own particular, particular uh, comic book lineage. We won't talk about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Basically, uh, hunting down uh, these drug pushers who push this drug uh, called power. Now, what it is, is basically this little capsule that when you take it, you're given superpowers for five minutes. So it's kind of like limitless where it's like you take the drug and expand your mind. This one extends your you know, genetics, I guess. The thing is, you just never know what power you're going to get until you take the pill so that's kind of like part of the rush of it um and yeah it looks like a wide array of different powers from invincibility to invisibility to pyrokinesis to ice powers the strength all, all the whole nine typical but the randomness of it is kind of fun and it looks like he's going to be hunting them down because they might have something or someone of his that he wants to get back. So he's going to be working with a drug pusher who's connected to the power as well as a local cop played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who himself also has his comic book lineage uh, from uh, the dark Knight rises. And just based upon the trailer alone, this is a nice little thing to be having on something like Netflix, especially considering we've been kind of superhero deprived in the cinemas it's nice that we're going to get something that's you know beyond uh, the you know the order that we got on Netflix with Charlie Staron. Uh and it's going to be more on par with what we would hope to see in the summer like from Black Widow to Wonder Woman it's going to be something on that caliber. So I'm really thrilled to
0: see it. I'm and I like these actors. I like Joseph uh, gordon Lovitz. I love Jamie Foxx. Uh I'm a little worried and not not that I should be, but a few years ago, I was really excited when Will Smith made a deal with Netflix to make Bright because that looked like a very interesting uh, idea for a movie. And it turned out to be awful. So I'm really, like, I like this idea. I really like it. I like the, the plot. I like the actors in it. And the fact that I can just watch on Netflix instead of going anywhere is great. I'm, I'm just hoping it lives up to the expectation.
1: Well, I think the issue more so with Brain wasn't so much the movie, it was the fact that it was David Ayer. David Ayer just has a particular style to him, if that kind of makes sense. Uh, Now, what I can say is that uh, the person or the people directing this movie, uh, one of them is Henry Joost, who is... um, familiar with uh, this kind of action sort of stuff and with you know camera trickery with uh, the Paranormal Activity movies as well as uh, Nerve, which was a decent little movie starring uh, Emma Roberts. And the other director, uh, Ariel Schumann, uh, she went ahead and has done things uh, in the same realm. She's pretty much been working with uh, Juiced right along in those same movies. So this is a collaborative effort by them. And I do think that they have the potential to make this Nicely stylized. Now, I don't know if the action is going to be on par with Nerve. Nerve was kind of nice, but it was kind of, like, truncated. This seems a little bit more out there. But if they can bring the same kind of, like, palpitation that they got with that movie, I'll be considerably satisfied.
0: I've actually never seen Nerve and actually going through their IMDb real quick. I noticed they're also working on a Mega Man movie. So that's kind of interesting.
1: It's been announced. Yes. i I'm, that I'm a little more hesitant about just because it's Mega Man. So uh, Mega, I, I Mega want Man. Mega Man to look like Mega Man. I don't want Mega Man to look like Logan Lerman with a weird helmet on. So I don't know where they're going with that one, but that's more the studio. That's not necessarily them.
0: I just got to say, I have a friend out there, uh, Eddie LeBron, who's made both a really great Sonic fan film and a great Mega Man fan film. It's just a shame that he never gets uh, asked to be involved with any of these projects.
1: (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I mean, I don't know where he shopped it to, but it's always just about if the right eyes ever get on it. And you can only try your best. You know, hopefully someone recognizes his talent. Maybe they'll bring him in for the next Sonic movie. Who knows?
0: Uh, Going back to power. And again, this is all your your segment and everything. So I I hate to not try and take it away from you. But again, I'm going through IMDb. Machine Gun Kelly is going to be a part of this?
1: Look, Machine Gun Kelly's just been a part of a lot of things lately. He was a part of Bird Box. He was a part of King of Staten Island. I don't know what it is with Machine Gun Kelly. He's just really getting out there with his presence, and to an extent, he hasn't been bad at it. Uh, he's taken Unless on he these minor after roles where it really hasn't played in much to the movie, and I think that's maybe the safer route for him. Anything that stops him from making music is all the better, <laughs> <laughs> simply because everybody knows Eminem's gonna shut him down regardless.
0: Yes. So. <laughs>
1: That's my two cents on that.
0: Uh, uh, that's a, yeah, I, I, was, I would add the same exact thing, so I have nothing to add past that. I was just like, wow, they, they want this, this guy in here. So, it's kind of like when Courtney Love got into acting. You know,
1: now mind you, I'd say her roles were a lot better, and she actually did a better job with them, whether it was uh, People versus Larry Flint, Man on the Moon, stuff of that nature. But anything that took her away from the mic and screaming, thumbs up for me
0: well it's it's definitely something interesting it's actually only coming out what is the day uh july well as of the taping we're july 19th so this is going to be out in just a little less than a month on august 14th yeah that's that's also
1: the beautiful thing about netflix trailers it's like when they drop the trailer you know it's really not that far off as opposed to like movie theaters when you see a trailer for something in a movie theater chances are it's like still three four months away and you're just like you're still you know chomping at the bit to get some more even so far as like maybe six months to a year down the road you'll get a trailer for a movie that will take that long to get out to you and that's just i hate that because the teasing aspect is just too much for me
0: yeah no and uh I, I just wish, you know, sometimes I wish they actually did announce it a little faster, because usually I think their projects are dead until, like, it drops. Like, oh my god, it's still here.
1: <laughs> yeah, at, at that point, you've already had like three or four more trailers. You've essentially seen the movie and before you get to it, in some cases. There's no surprises, no you know, change-ups. And ultimately, whatever buzz you were trying to build up is probably burned out more so than gained. Mm-hmm. So, better to go the Netflix model. You want people to come to a movie? Put the trailer out three weeks before it even comes out. Don't let anybody even know that it's coming out. Show it then. Let them be surprised. Now, sticking with Netflix, uh, there is another project that's coming down the road. um, And it's actually looking to be the most expensive movie that Netflix has ever produced. More so expensive than The Irishman, if you can believe it. Yeah, I know, I know. But I do believe that this one has a little bit more of a pedigree to warrant the amount that it's asking for. I don't think it's going to be having any CGI aging or anything like that.
0: Well, we don't know yet.
1: We don't. But I'm inclined to hope that they're going to keep people the way they are. Now, this project is called The Gray. Uh, it is actually being done by uh, Joe and Anthony Russo of you know the MCU fame. And he, they're bringing along their boy Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling, which you know, I'm a Ryan, I, I have to support <laughs> self, self Ryan's.
0: Ryan's got to stick together.
1: Ryan's unite, yes. Um, now The Gray is based upon a book uh, by uh, Mark Greeny. Uh, he is essentially kind of like in the same realm of like you know, born identity stuff like that. Um, it. Goes as follows: Gosling is going to play uh, Court Gentry, which I'm not too fond of the name. Court, no, but he's a freelance assassin, former CIA operative, and he is being hunted around the world by his former colleague, played by Chris Evans, whose name is uh, what? Uh, Lloyd Hansen. Great names here. Basically, uh, the hello Lloyd. (laughs) <laughs> I know, Lloyd. yeah, we got Court and Lloyd. I don't know, but hopefully they have like nicknames or something, I don't know. The um, Grey itself was uh, the first in a number of books and it looks like uh, Geis- Gosling has signed on for a multi-film deal. So this could be the start of a Netflix franchise, which movie-wise, you really haven't gotten. You've gotten these standalone individual films, but I can't really say that there's a Netflix movie series as opposed to a television
0: series. Uh is there? Not yet. I guess this could be the start of one. But I don't know. So this could be really good and I know a lot of people like these style of movies, but I've never was really into like the the Jason Bourne uh cia CIA spy type movies. And I know like that was the direction that the Russo brothers went when they took over the Captain America series and I reading this, it seems like it's going to be the same thing. It's going to be sort of that, uh, uh, what, what was Harrison Ford's character? It's going to seem like one of those Jack Ryan slash, uh, Jason Bourne type movies. Possibly, so, yes. So, I mean, I
1: haven't read the book myself, but by the sound of it, it's simply going to be in that, you know, uh, secret agent, not necessarily spy craft, but certainly, uh, special ops around the world sort of stuff, you know, dark, you know, dark military sort of things but you can't knock the idea that the russos are essentially taking the winter soldier and making it their own that's why i like the idea of it It, they're basically going down the route that they've traveled before but now they're probably going to have a little bit more freedom to do so
0: I think when Winter Soldier came out and they said, well, it's going to be a comic book movie meets Jason Bourne. And the only thing that attracted me to the movie was the fact that it was still Captain America. Uh, I thought it was a really well done movie, but again, I'm not, I'm not into those movies personally. So now that you're going to strip away the comic book character feel of this, and now that it is back to a Jack Ryan, uh, Jason Bourne type movie, For me, personally, it doesn't have an interest. But considering the fact that uh, Amazon's been doing really well with their Jack Ryan series, which, by the way, I think someone happened to be a background character at some point in. Uh, Yes. So I think that... I think he'll do really well. Just not my cup of tea. I would
1: hope so. I'm hoping that... um, I mean, one can look to stuff like, you know, the the order and um, extraction and... All these kind of like more action based movies that Netflix has put on just this summer alone. And you can see that Netflix is starting to gain the idea of what's going to make a good action pack kind of thriller, uh, that kind of like you know, you know fist to face sort of like action that you really only get in the theaters, but now you will be able to get on streaming. And like I said, if this does end up becoming Netflix's first film franchise. I'd say all the better because then you're locking in someone with the the chops of Ryan Gosling, which I, let's be fair, he hasn't exactly gotten the best boat when it comes to movies. He's gotten great movies, but they've never really been money makers per se. So if you can go ahead and harness that talent and not necessarily worry about that much on the returns, that's a perfect lock. And I don't know about Chris Evans if he's going to make it out of this film or if he's going to be part of the franchise like Gosling, but you're nailing down captain america uh, post captain america like you're free he's free to do what he wants he's free you want he go, wants to go ahead and direct he can but if you can lock him down too you've got the star power to really make something special
0: yeah and as a uh, uh one of our recent guests uh gina rodriguez kind of mentioned like uh, chris evans is actually a very very good actor so like he's much more than just captain america so he might give a performance that will be very enjoyable in this movie.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's hard not to see him sometimes still as, you know, the guy from not, Sh- not another teen movie or, <laughs> uh, the original fantastic four movies or anything of that nature. It, I hate to say it. Sometimes when I still see the guy, I still picture him with like the whipped cream bikini on that. He, had <laughs> in that movie. he shouldn't be having that ever. No one should.
0: You know, outside of Captain America, the first thing that really pops into my mind is he was one of the, uh, the seven ex-boyfriends of Ramona from uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World.
1: Yes, yes, yes. The, the movie star, action star, of course. That, 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 that was meta before it was meta. Yes. But yeah, here's hoping that the film actually plays out. Hopefully that $200 million budget is used properly. And uh, we'll have to see whether or not it warrants more movies. Now, speaking of movies that have warranted more movies, gotta get to the third topic today, and we actually take this time to take a look back at a movie that is celebrating its 20th anniversary and has really been a staple of the modern comic book franchise run that we've had in the past couple of decades. X-Men.
0: It's, uh, you know, I didn't really realize it until you mentioned it to me um, that, that we are hitting the 20th anniversary of the, the first movie from Fox. And, you know, another thing, uh, I've been binge watching uh, Star Trek The Next Generation for like the last three or four months now. I've been going through the series. And this week, I actually I just uh, finished rewatching all the, uh, the movies. And it's kind of funny, like the for Patrick Stewart. He was just w- really well known for that. And this was his sort of his breakout from Star Trek, this movie here.
1: Yeah, I, I would say this was his, um, him and Sir Ian McKellen's reintroduction to a brand new generation. No, no pun intended on the generation part. <laughs>
0: Uh but, I know pa- yeah. Pat- Patrick Stewart at the time I believe was 60. I don't know how old Ian McKeller was at the time. Actually, I don't even really remember Ian McKellar before these movies. I don't know what he's well known known for before this. British stuff. Just British stuff. Basically
1: British stuff. <laughs> Cuz he
0: didn't do the the other movies, the uh Lord of the Rings till another year later, correct?
1: Right. Yeah, no. I think the I think before X-Men the only movie I could say I even recognized his face from was like Gods and Monsters.
0: Oh, which... that's right. He was he was in that. I didn't, rem- I didn't even recall that.
1: And, re- and mind you, the only reason I even know of Gods and Monsters is because young Brendan Fraser, who was yes. prominent at the time. <laughs> so it's not like I went because Ian McKellen was in it.
0: No, he was like, oh, the, it's uh, Brendan Fraser and this creepy old man. <laughs> now it's, now it's uh, this young looking man in Ian McKellar i'm sorry brandon frazier
1: <laughs> yeah not, <laughs> no let's face it brandon I like doom it. patrol we, we know this <laughs> i mean there's a there's a reason his person is robot man because you, you can't watch him live
0: yeah i actually i saw a little bit of the new season and yeah he's not looking that great these days but uh i still love him but Anyway, I'll move on from uh, from that. That we're, Although, we're, sticking, oh, we're st- I will
1: point this out that I'm seeing now that I didn't even realize. Uh, aside from the more prestige work that uh, Ian McKellen had done prior to X Men, things of like apt pupil, Gods and Monsters. Uh, Richard oh, that's III, right. Um, he was apparently also Death in Last Action Hero.
0: That's right.
1: I didn't oh. know that. I, I I know you had the one British guy as the villain, but I didn't think you had like Ian McKellen in there too.
0: I just remember he was supposed to be the really snooty, the really famous actor playing a, like uh, a top role. I just knew he was famous, but I didn't remember where. And now that you said like, Oh shit, that is, that is Ian McKellar. Yeah. No, and I, I have I
1: no idea about yeah. that. That yeah, is
0: pre 2000 Ian McKellar. It's like, I remember the movies he was in. I just, don't remember that was him uh, at pupil until you said it. I forgot that oh was. Oh my him god! Too. And he was in the shadow. Oh, he was in the shadow. Who did he yes. play in the shadow? Oh my
1: god! That oh, that is my fault. I should know that because I love the shadow. But
0: so yeah, did no, I, he played what, Reinhardt
1: Lane. He played uh, the woman's father who was abducted.
0: Really? Yeah. I, uh, wow. No, I like I'm picturing that character in my head. And no, do not remember that at all. I, So
1: then technically, X-Men isn't even his first comic book movie.
0: No, it's not. Well, yes, it is. Uh, Shadow was not a comic book at the time. It was a radio uh, show. First superhero movie. it did get
1: developed into the comic strips, too.
0: Later on. Oh, yeah. yeah. I would say more superhero, though, than comic. Anyway, we're getting away from X-Men here.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, here's the thing.
0: I mean, yes, X-Men in itself has just,
1: you know, been steady with us, good and bad. For the past two decades, and it all started with X-Men, which, even to this day, is still one of the better X-Men movies when you look at the franchise as a whole. Which is actually a little surprising, because you want to think that, like, when it comes to these kinds of franchises, like, the original never holds up compared to how much better the sequels may get. Now, that's not necessarily true with all franchises. Usually the sequels are probably worse. But mm-hmm. with superhero ones, typically, the, the way we've had them nowadays, they've gotten better. In the 90s and 80s, and even the 70s, yeah, sure, they were shit. Anyone can look at uh, Batman and Robin and uh, Superman 4 to see that there's dwindling returns. But... I mean, when, when you compare it to Logan and Deadpool and Days of Future Past, X-Men still holds up. Well,
0: I didn't get to see Logan. It's been on my watch list now for a few years, but I've always heard great things about that. Deadpool was pretty good. I wouldn't compare him to that series because in that fact, X-Men, the movie, isn't that great. Uh, I want to... I want actually go back and not only watch X-Men again, I want to kind of watch X2, because I remember at the time, everyone loved X2. X2 was considered the best superhero movie ever made. Uh, remember yeah, that, one of the
1: few times when the direct sequel was better than the first movie.
0: But people have told me they don't think it holds up. Like, now, now that time has passed, now they think that the original X-Men actually worked a lot better than the sequel did. So well, kind I of, think I, with the
1: sequel it was the matter of like actually using more CG and actually expanding on the power sets of a lot of the heroes. You know, they were just really amping up everything. And mind you, I can't really compare striker to magneto as far as antagonists are concerned. It's it's like apples and oranges. You can't say one's really better than the other considering one is just drastically different than the other.
0: Right, and I think uh, Stryker was really meant to set up stuff that they just kind of really fell flat on their face with. Yeah, so many I mean, villains, it's... and they never did it right. Even like they when they finally got to Apocalypse, they just they they screwed that up so bad.
1: Yeah, they, they leaned too heavy on Magneto. I think I, Magneto was fine for the first movie. Movie, I would have loved to have seen what they could have done with like Mister Sinister. I would have loved to have seen uh, an Omega Red. I would have loved mm-hmm. to re- to really see them get into all these characters they had to work with. But for some reason, Fox was just never really happy about moving on to other heroes. They just wanted to really stick with like the core four, which was like Jean Grey, Storm, uh, Wolverine,
0: and Rogue. Yeah. And then like, they would just do a flash of a character like, oh, oh, look, look, one of our favorite characters. He's just kind of there in the background, but he's there. Or like when they uh, debuted Gambit, who who had like a five minute scene and. Uh, wolverine origin and that was a big plot point at least in the trailer yeah i i
1: I don't get how they have like this plethora of characters but i guess it was one of those things where since it worked in the first film best not to fuck with it even though they did cyclops such a disservice that you could say x-men is probably the most amount of cyclops that you get
0: yeah, um, and because they kill him off at the very beginning of the third movie, which was like the stupidest thing in the world, barely
1: but, utilized the next two. And even but, in the you know early franchise, where the origins come in, and you see, uh, um, instead of I McKellen, you've got uh, the one from Assassin's Creed, and you get James McAvoy in place of uh, Patrick Stewart, even then. They don't do much with the Cyclops. I'm like, he's one of the founding members. Give the man some credit.
0: I think because over the years, his character has become very unlikable. So unless, like the comic book started to do it right where they kind of made him like a tweener where he's kind of villainous, but he's kind of a good guy. He's a lawful lawful evil, I believe, at this point. Which
1: would be great in conjunction with someone like Wolverine, who was kind of like, improving his station throughout the series. You know, he, he was basically just a cage fighter who ended up becoming the last man standing, literally.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I would have loved to have seen the juxtaposition between those two characters, like we see in the animated series more so. Because they definitely have two different minds and we see them butt heads, but it still works.
0: I think the problem with Fox was they were trying to jam too many, too much into all these movies. And I'm wondering if Marvel can figure out a way to do it a lot better.
1: Well, I think when Marvel plays around with the X-Men, I don't think they're going to necessarily bring in as many mutants as they had done in the Fox days. I think they're going to try to really keep it like, to a slow boil. You know, They'll probably mm-hmm. introduce like three or four, and that'll be it, because they already have a smorgasbord of heroes that uh, they need to introduce and keep going with. That if you go ahead and you start inviting all the X-Men franchise, it's just going to be way too much.
0: No, I, I fully agree. And even with uh, like a character like Wolverine, I would like to kind of introduce him in a series outside of X-Men, possibly. Oh, it's yeah, no, shame.
1: when they introduced mutants, Wolverine better not be the first one.
0: I think it, it's a shame that they've kind of used up uh, the Hulk at this point, where doing a standalone movie might not work as well, at least not for what the character used to be, fighting uh, between his two selves. Because to have that Hulk's still there and introduce Wolverine as he was originally introduced as a Canadian soldier trying to stop the Hulk. That would have been kind of interesting.
1: That would have been a fun little spinoff. There was, a, uh, there was actually an,
0: anim- an, there was an animated series a few years ago, which was the incredible Hulk versus Wolverine, which was a rehash of that storyline, which was done really well. What
1: was it a series or was it just a movie? Cause if it, was, it was a about movie Hulk
0: versus it was just a movie.
1: Yeah, I have that one. Hulk versus—it's like half the movie is Hulk versus Thor, and the other half is no, no, not no. just Hulk versus Wolverine, but Hulk versus you know the whole Weapon X people because no, I they, think Deadpool's in it and Maverick's in it.
0: Right. So th- this one had didn't never had Thor in it. It just had uh, it had Wolverine and Hulk, and then like this was Do- Deadpool's first animated introduction.
1: Right. I think it was part of that. Like what you're talking about, I think is just they sectioned off rather than give you the full movie of the two sides.
0: Okay. Well, okay. Cause the movie I saw was mostly focused on Wolverine yes. and Hulk was kind of there.
1: Right. Yeah. That's how the one half plays off.
0: Okay. So I guess I never saw the first half. I didn't realize it was two halves.
1: Yeah, no, I, it was a weird way to do the movie, but anyway, <clears throat> back on Brian Singer's X-Men. And, well, okay. Here's the one problem <laughs> I have now with X-Men, obviously. Yes. <laughs> Brian Singer. Yeah. Like if if you can say there was any part of this movie that didn't age well,
0: <laughs> it's uh, the pedophile uh, director?
1: Yeah. It's... Yeah. I mean it, oh. It's it's just really hard to think about. It's like you want to praise the movie in all of its aspects, especially for how landmark it is. And yet there is that little black mark that's just you can't avoid it.
0: Well, it's one of those things where sometimes you, if in order to jo- enjoy a piece of art, you have to separate the art from the artist. In this case scenario, you have to kind of separate Brian Singer from uh this film that he directed. Like we we all know he's terrible and no one's gonna ever praise him again, but it was a good movie. You just have to ignore he made it. <laughs> See, it's
1: not even that. It's not even so much the fact that he did this movie. He basically started this franchise. It wasn't just this movie that he did. He did multiple movies in this franchise. This, to an extent, was his creation. Good and bad. Now, if you want to go ahead and attribute all the bad movies to him, even though he didn't direct them, fine. Okay, he's the bad part of the franchise. He he is responsible for Dark Phoenix. He is responsible for Apocalypse. He is responsible for X Men Three: The Last Stand. Put all the shit on him. <laughs> that way, it's more balanced.
0: Well, in, in that same respect, like I still like uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel, and uh, all, and but you know, I still think uh, Josh Whedon is like kind of an asshole.
1: Yeah, that that's a whole other thing, right there. <laughs> uh with those stories coming out
0: yeah we we didn't even we didn't even touch upon that but apparently there's now a story going around that uh the uh actor who played uh spike james uh james marsters marsters uh he's now talking about how like because his character became really popular josh one time just approached him and told him how much he hated him and kill him if he had the chance it's like I'm, i'm sorry dude they like me yeah, I
1: mean, what are you going to do? He's, he's British and he's got appeal. I, I even liked him. And, you know, I was still more of an Angel fan than anything. But that's, that's the thing. When, when it comes to stuff like this, when it comes to things that end up being in the, in the fandoms, let's say, you know, geek, nerd, whatever you want to call it, anything that's in the fandoms, there's always going to be strong responses. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, just as much as there are critiques, on the movie and the people that made them, there's still so much more to love that you really can't deny. I'll be the first one to admit, I do have a box set of the first three X-Men movies that eventually I will have to sell, not just because it's DVD, but because I do want a nice big box set of the entire Fox X-Men franchise, good and bad movies, just because it's that much of a series it's that pinnacle
0: something that I'll, I'll bring up and actually doesn't involve the the 2000 x-men it actually involves x2 a little bit um i don't know if i ever mentioned this on the show before so one of my first uh introductions into the world of filmmaking was uh uh this filmmaker and i'm not gonna mention his name because uh he he was a douchebag um So I, when I finally discovered I had a passion for filmmaking and wanted to get more into it, I ended up seeing a uh, some posters around my college looking for help on editing a Star Wars fan film, and was
1: like, "Oh, I know this story, yeah."
0: So I uh, I took the poster and I called to find out a little more about it, and it was apparently was this guy who. Wanted to like edit all these Star Wars films that he had shot in high school but never finished, and it, it was a crap. It was it was really cra- the guy was a con artist. Uh, the movies were not good, but the one of the things I remember out of it is he didn't he want to use the original Star Trek uh or Star Trek uh, Star Wars theme songs. Instead, he wanted to use the soundtrack from X2 for all his films. And so I just remember listening to some of that music over and over and over again as I was editing this film with him.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah. See, even in the worst of circumstances, at least you can say that you still did get something valuable out of the experience.
0: Yes, a, a real a story about a really terrible person, <laughs> and, and, and in fact, you know. and experience because it, it taught me like you know when you go into filmmaking, everyone is crazy, and you have to have some sort of backbone to tell people no sometimes, and just realize when something is bad. I was a very naive person back then, and that that taught me a lot about who I get into business with.
1: Fair, so. To kind of wrap up our love of uh, X-Men, even the original movie, I will ask whether from the first movie to the last, who was your favorite mutant? Not including Wolverine, because everyone would say Wolverine, obviously, in most cases. So I want someone other than Wolverine.
0: But he was my favorite. (laughs) I don't think I had another one.
1: Well, let's play it like, you know, a board game piece. You you wanted the red character. Someone already took the red character. Who would be your second best?
0: I guess his sidekick, Rogue.
1: Rogue? Really? I'm
0: surprised. She was the, uh, the, the, she was the co-star in the first movie. And I don't really remember the other two. So that's the one that stands out to me.
1: (laughs) You don't really remember the other two.
0: (laughs) Well, there, there was also Storm and Toad and, uh, and uh, X uh, Clop, uh, Cyclops, uh, Jean Grey, uh, I- Xavier, uh, Magneto.
1: But uh, you're I... forgetting my favorite.
0: Who's your favorite? Mystique. Oh, yeah, that's right. Mystique was in there too.
1: Yeah, Ro- the Rebecca Romaine Stamos version, not the uh, Jennifer Lawrence version. Um, because she, even though she looked so much more like creature-like than the mystique we had gotten on the comic books and in uh, the animated series. She was definitely, I feel the one that probably had the biggest plight as far as, you know, having to deal with being a mutant, having to be vilified for their powers, wanting to shy themselves away from the world and being capable of doing so because of her, you know, transformation abilities and her look. Has obviously just become iconic in itself. The, so much so that it stood the test of time, leading all the way up to the end of the franchise.
0: Well, so, not not completely because when well, Jennifer Anderson took over. No, she kind of was Jennifer like Lawrence doesn't like makeup. Yeah, it's like well, this. This was affecting my skin. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to be mean to her. It. it probably was. I don't. I just skin irritation is not good. But at the same time, it it went from this really elaborate costume to much simpler by the end
1: yeah but it's not like it was just a woman painted in blue with like red flowy hair and a white slinky dress
0: right they it went yeah they really went in depth with it like they gave her gills and all this other stuff on it it really it really did flesh out uh at least a visual wise it fleshed her out a lot more uh yeah, and I definitely character wise character wise she was much simpler than she was in the comics
1: Yes, but I almost think it, you kind of have to be if you're going to make Mystique a sidekick, you know, rather than someone who ends up becoming the mother to Nightcrawler and Rogue in a sense, you know. Right,
0: but so they but they eliminated that and not to mention they introduced the other two characters without any type of attachment to uh Mystique. So kind of right. it took away from her character unfortunately.
1: It took away from the character that we had known, but I think in a sense, kind of built up the character they created.
0: Okay, tell me, why do you think, why is that your favorite character?
1: Well, like I said, I mean, as far as like the mutants that we saw on screen, uh, Mystique definitely was the one that looked most like a mutant, you know, as opposed to, say, Storm with her wig or just, you know, Scott Summers in the visor. It, it really felt like she was a creation of the mutation rather than just somebody putting on a black leather suit and just having claws come out. The original X-Men it had more actors playing their versions of a character rather than playing the character. But this time, it was just, it, you, she didn't have anything to base off of because the mystique that they created was not much like that from the comics. It was a completely different entity. And for that, she made it her own.
0: Okay. I just, I just wanted to make sure it was something beyond the fact that it was a naked, painted up woman throughout the entire Oh, time.
1: for the love of God.
0: Just Come just wanted right. to check.
1: Look, for as much makeup as they put on her, it might as well have just been a vinyl bodysuit.
0: A very skin-tight vinyl bodysuit.
1: Like I said, I prefer the Rebecca Romaine version rather than the Jennifer Lawrence version. <laughs> the Jennifer Lawrence version was just eh.
0: Jennifer Lawrence? Yeah, I called her yeah. Anderson before. I don't know why I did that. Jennifer Lawrence.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm not going to edit that out. Yeah, I made that mistake. Yeah, no.
1: no.
0: <laughs> One Jennifer, two well, yes. Jennifer. Happy
1: 20th anniversary, X-Men. Here We'll look forward to celebrating when X2 comes to 20 years. And here's hoping Disney doesn't muck it up.
0: <laughs> they can't do a worse job than Fox did. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you very much for joining us on another episode of the JT and Big O podcast. Uh, remember, as always, we, are, uh, we have a new show every Monday and you can s- listen to us on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. You can also catch clips of us on uh, YouTube and keep up with updates on us on our Facebook page, which you can all find all these items at jtbigo.com. With that all said, I bid you all adieu. Bye-bye. No line this week?
1: Well, I mean, if I did anything, it would probably have to be something Disney-oriented, considering we started with Disney and I ended on Disney, so... It's a small world <laughs> after, after all. all. It's small. a small world after all. Just let me keep doing this and play off. <laughs> it's a small world after all. It's a small, small world especially when you're trapped in your house because of COVID.